Well, we are going to get into the word here, and I, um, I'm going to warn you. This is going to be a little different. Um, it's it's not. <laughs> I think it's always a little different. <laughs> Just a little bit. I keep, I've been preaching the same sermon for the last 96 weeks and just like slowly tweaking just a little bit and a little bit. Um, that way you guys can't tell anyone he's just preaching the same sermon. No, because I change it a little bit every time. Um, <laughs> just a little bit. It's like I'm building up to something and you're just going to have to wait for the next 10 years until you see where it actually ends up. <laughs> um, so just hold on to your britches. Um <laughs> What's funny is uh, um, Chris even asked me, um, you know, we usually have like a slide for tonight. And he's like, got a, do you have a slide for tonight? And I was like, I don't even have a title for tonight. So, no. <laughs> so, like I started to try to figure out what might I title this, but I don't really, I, I didn't really have a clear vision for what to title this. So, um, I'm, I'm going to talk to you for a little while about a process that I've just been thinking about. Um, something that I continue to see as, as we come here to the church and something that um, I think God has a word for us in it. Um, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about um, some of my experiences as a child um, and uh, where this is all going to. We'll, we'll see where God takes it. But the last few weeks I've been thinking of what I'm calling right now the planting cycle. <laughs> The planting cycle. And the reason I, I'm thinking about that is because if you guys haven't been noticing, the Howries have been going to work on all these fields out here. Um, and it's it's interesting for me uh, because when we were redoing this church, right, we started working on the church in June or July. I guess we got the keys in July. Um, and so we got to really watch and experience the harvest season that they went through. And uh, we would talk to them often about how much work they were having to do and how many late nights they were having and how Janet would literally cook a meal for everyone who was working um, the farm. I mean, it, it's pretty imp impressive to see what they do and, and hear their heart behind what they're doing. And, and so for, um, for me, you know, as I've continued to come in, I've continued to see the fields start to change and things start to happen out there. Um, and it's really interesting because we've, we've kind of seen that path. The other reason why it's interesting for me is because as a kid, I swore that I was going to be a farmer. I think I meant I was going to be a flannel wearer. <laughs> That's about as much as farmer as I ended up becoming. And it's funny, uh, my, grandma, my grandma will often say to me, now didn't you say you wanted to be a farmer? And then I was like, they don't make no monies, grandma. Uh, um, it's, it's hard to be a farmer. It's a lot of work. Not that I don't like hard work, but I don't like having to do it every day. Uh, um, and it, it got me thinking as I've continued to watch this planting season, it made me think about how as a kid, listen, we had a garden every single year. You guys have heard me talk about how we had gardens um, literally half a mile from where we're at, if that. And um, what was funny is I began thinking this week about there was even seasons where my mom and dad were like, we just don't feel like it. Um, and I had been so conditioned that we always had a garden. Like there was no not having a garden. And just for the record, I love tomatoes. Okay. And so I had a really hard time seeing my life through the rest of the year without lots of tomatoes. And I didn't know how much 
how many coupons my mom might have for tomatoes. I don't think they coupon tomatoes. Everything else, the coupon, she had. I can promise you that. But tomatoes, no. And so every year I was conditioned that even if mom and dad said, I'm not, we're not going to do a garden this year, I would do a garden. Like I was just like, I have to do a garden. Um, and so tonight I began thinking about all of the processes and everything that happens through that cycle. And uh, I just, I felt like God was speaking to, uh, some things about this. And so um, I'm going to ask you to be patient because we're not going to get to the word for a little bit. Okay. Uh, but we will get to the word. I promise you that. So there's really four, um, I don't, I don't want to call them experiences. There's, there's four pieces to this planting cycle that I really thought of um, when I was thinking about it. I thought about preparation, right? Preparation. I thought about planting, sowing. I thought about um, weeding, watering, and waiting. <laughs> and I thought about harvest, those are the four things that I really think of. Now, I know I could put a lot of different things in that process because there's a lot more to it. But those were the four things that I really thought about. And I want to start by talking about preparation for a minute. Because I can, I can literally remember the feelings and the emotions and the things that I went through when I would go through this garden planting process. And one of the strongest one was the excitement and preparation. Like, preparation was, it literally was exciting to me because you would take, I would get this tiller. And just so you know, when I was growing up, my dad did not have a rear tine tiller. So how many of you have ever used a front tined tiller? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't have feelings in my shoulders still from that. Um, <laughs> a front tine tiller is like, one of the worst experience. It's like trying to hold Naomi still with one hand like this for all day long, right? Eventually she's going to start jumping and it's going to get really out of control. That's a front time tiller. Okay. Um, that is, it is an exhausting process, but that's what we had, right? We had a front time tiller and uh, that's the way we would do it. And I would have to work and get it running and get it started. And then we would, I would start to turn the soil. But there was an excitement in that preparation, right? You start to see the, the, the soil turn over. Um, you find all kinds of junk in it. Um, you, uh, um, my dad, um, some of you will think I'm really weird when I tell you this. Uh, my dad trained me and taught me that when you till a garden, you always till a garden barefoot. You do not wear shoes or boots when you till a garden. And... Uh, um, and sometimes I would try to wear them. And if you don't know what happens, especially if it's clay, heavy, or wet, um, it just like you become like hawk foot um, and you like literally can't lift your feet while you're trying to till this garden. But the second reason why he, he, he taught me you don't, you do not till um, unless you're barefoot is because there are always like clumps of grass that you want to get out and you don't want to bend down and pick them up. So you do one of these. And you do one of those. So if any of y'all drove by me when I was a kid and you saw me doing this, like back and forth, <laughs> I turned out okay. <laughs> I made it. 
But it's it's an it's an interesting process because as you go through that, you're, the whole goal is to clean, right? It's a cleaning process. It's a cleansing process. This preparation, right? I don't go out there and just say seed in the ground, seed in the ground, seed in the ground, right? Um, it wouldn't turn out so great for those seeds or for me or for my patients. And that preparation process brings excitement. Like, that's what I always remember. I, I can remember that, yeah, there was some hard work to it, but the most the emotion that was in me more than anything was excitement in the preparation process. And I will tell you, even from Bethany and I's experience, I would tell you that in planting a church, there was such an excitement in that process, that preparation, right? Um, as we would paint another wall or we would rip out another wall or we would, you know, whatever we would do, right? There was excitement. Every time you do a little more, you'd get a little more excited and, um, and so on and so forth. And so the preparation process can be rich and enjoyable. And then there's the sowing process, right? The planning process. I believe that this, this phase brings anticipation, Right, uh, you're waiting. You're gonna. You're determining if this seed's going to to sprout. Right. Um, you don't know if it's going to. Right. You've done a lot of work. You've done a lot of preparation. But there's literally no guarantee that the seed you've placed will come forth. And sowing is like this great climatic point that everything you've been doing for days or weeks, right? When I was tilling the soil, my dad would say, you got to put lime in the soil. You got to put fertilizer in the soil. There would be all these things that I would have to work into the, until into the soil over and over, day after day after day. Preparation took time, right? But then when we would get to the sowing, it was like, yes, this is what I've been waiting for, right? I got my rose all done, you know, they look all nice and straight. And if they weren't straight, I'd go back and I'd move them again and I'd move them again and I'd move them again. And my dad, I didn't take it to this degree. Bethany will probably be surprised I didn't. But my dad would literally take graph paper and draw out exactly the dimensions that everything needed to be. Like that's the way he would, and because he would organize it, he'd be like, well, your tomatoes need at least three foot radius. And so we're going to do this. And then in between the tomato, you're going to put this pepper and then you're going to put, like everything was very strategic when you would build this garden so that we could capitalize on every ounce of space that we had there. Right. Um, but it's just, this was like the opportunity to finally put something in the ground when you would start to sow or you would start to plant. This is also a moment of faith because you can't keep opening the soil back up to see what's happening, right? You can't go out there like I, and I would just so you know, I would go out there every day after I planted to wait to see if something was going to pop out of the ground. And I would go through the rows and I would look and I would look and I'm like nothing, right? And I would do this in the morning and I would do it in the evening because there was an anticipation with sowing the seed, but there had to be faith, right? I had to trust I had to trust the process, trust that I had done the right work and the preparation to allow that seed to come to life. Then came weeding, watering, and waiting. I can remember this process very well because I hate it. It's the worst. I can remember how hot the sun was. I can remember how dry the dirt was and how it would hurt my knees because I didn't have knee pads or something cool to lay down so I could put my knees or something smart enough to like just grab a cushion and help yourself out, brother. I didn't do it, okay? And it was, it was hard, right? This was the tough stuff. Weeding was the worst. It was always the worst. And um, this is where I would have those days where I just wanted to give up. And I will guarantee you this. There were some years 
that the weeding was so bad that I was like, I'll just see what I get. I'm not weeding. It did happen. We, I've, I've done it since we've been married, right? We put in a little garden, I think in Blanchester, was it, where, where I just finally just said, forget it. And I built a shed over top of where that was because I didn't want to think about it. But those were the days that I would think, man, I just, I don't even know if it's worth it, right? And um, it, it's even easier to do that when you're planting something like broccoli or kale for your wife, because I don't care about any of that, right? Like you start seeing it struggling and Bethany will be like, oh my gosh, what's going on? What do, what, do something. And I'll be like, I don't know what to do with this stuff, except for to trample on it and get rid of it, because I don't like it, right? Weeding brings temptation, right? Weeding tries to kill and choke the life out of the seeds that are there. Weeding is tough because it takes time and lots of consistency. See, because if you aren't consistent in the weeding process, (laughs) you will get swallowed whole by those weeds. There is no stop. It will literally destroy it. And this this is a, a point of the process where so many fall away, right? And this is where I, and I, I'm leading into this a little bit, but this is where churches miss the opportunity that's found in community. See, weeding and taking care of a garden is very difficult on your own. Because I was, remember, I would go and I would say, I'm just going to do it myself. And then I would do a garden that was way too big for me to handle. There was no way I could keep up with it. My brothers, they were like, yeah, right. I'm not helping you with your stupid garden, right? They didn't care. They're inside in the AC playing a video game, and I'm out there trying to pick weeds, right? I have no idea what was wrong with me, people. Weeding and taking care of a garden is so tough on your own. You feel alone. You feel isolated. You feel like it's, it's, it's just hard Work And I can remember that sun beating down and everything in me was tempting me to say, just stop. (laughs) Ask mom to buy tomatoes, right? (laughs) But the work wouldn't be so overwhelming if you did it with others, right? Could even be enjoyable. And then you talk about the harvest. The heart, we all want to talk about the harvest, right? Everyone wants to talk about the harvest. Everyone wants to talk about how great it was. They want to show pictures of it. They may even share a little bit of it because the harvest is like the reward. It's like everything you've been waiting for, everything you worked for. It's this culmination of so many moments. You can remember when the tiller was about to run out of your arms. You can remember when you were picking weeds until you were sunburnt. You can remember the plant. You can remember all of it. And that experience brings such joy. It's great. And I will tell you, last week, right, last week, Easter service for Bethany and I, that was a harvest moment for us, right? It was a harvest celebration for us. To see seeds that we had planted, some of them recently, some of them years ago, to see them coming to life and seeing them walking in in obedience, that is a rich harvest. And Bethany and I, we couldn't sleep afterwards, right? Because there was such an excitement about the harvest and seeing the harvest. And so thinking about those four phases, right? Preparation, sowing, the weeding, and the harvest. Which part of that process is the most important? See, 
I really began thinking about that this week. Um, and there is, I, I do believe that there is an answer. And I believe the answer that the most important part of this process is the sowing part. Because there's no harvest without sowing. Har- the harvest process doesn't exist without sowing. There's no weeding without the sowed seed to protect. The whole process of weeding is you're trying to protect the seed that you have sown, right? There is no need for weeding because the seed's not there to protect. And there is no preparation without the intent to sow. It is the sowing process that drives all of these. And all of them, every part of that process is important, right? You don't necessarily get all the way through it without putting an emphasis on all of it. But I say all that to say this. Satan knows that if he kills sowing, he kills it all. I want you to write this down if, if you've got a, a journal or something, because I think if, if you hear anything from me tonight, I want you to hear this. Satan has killed our harvest by disrupting our perception of sowing. Satan has killed our harvest by disrupting our perception of sowing. I want to explain that. Satan has really allowed us to believe that sowing the seed is the hardest part of the process. We believe, and now I'm going to, you know, bring it to the word, right? Um, the seed and the analogy of the word, right, is the word of God. It is the word of God. And Satan has somehow convinced so many of us that sharing the gospel, sharing the word of God is the hardest thing you could ever have to do. But, and I was thinking about this because as I thought about the planning process, right, when it came to what I was experiencing, sowing the seed was actually the easiest part of everything that you do. It is actually the easiest, right? You're the tilling, right? The work, the preparation, you're putting in fertilizer, you're putting in line, you're putting all these things in. You're working and working and working. When it comes time to sow, it's like this. It's not really hard. It's not. The weeding, the watering, the waiting, that's tough. It's difficult. It's heavy, like all of that. Even the harvest is more work than sowing. Because the harvest, right, the harvest you have to, you have to kind of contort yourself. You have to grab different things. You have to make sure it's ripe. Yeah, there's a lot more. You have to, sowing, I'm just dropping a seed. I'm just dropping a seed. And what the enemy has done is he has convinced us that sowing is the hardest part of the process of sowing the seed of God and reaping that harvest. Turn with me to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Because I believe that God has a harvest for all of us. I believe that he has a harvest for the body of Christ. And I think, I think we are missing out on the harvest because we've been convinced that sowing seed is too hard or I'm not good enough or I'm not equipped enough 
or I'm not, I don't have the right position or the right title or whatever it is. First Corinthians chapter two, we're going to read verses one through five. It says, and I, when I came to you brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith may not, might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. See, we have made the decision that our lack of wisdom or our lack of knowledge or our lack of eloquent speech to resolve that I'm not fit to share the gospel. See, when we talk about sharing the gospel, too often people are caught up in the idea that this is sharing the gospel. Can I tell you something? There, there is a piece of that in here, but most of what you're going to hear and see here, this is more discipleship than sharing the gospel because that's really what a pastor is doing, okay? And so we get, we get this contorted view of sowing the seed and we imagine it on a platform, on a television, in, an, in, in some different environment. We expect it to be a title of pastor or preacher or whatever you might want to do. And the problem we are finding ourselves in, we are not experiencing harvest because we're, we're forgetting the most important part of the planting process. And that is sowing seed. Uh, every year, um, and this is, this is something that's been stirring up in me. Um, and we talked about it a little bit, um, at a meeting this week, um, with, with the servantship team is, um, we are in a digital age, right? We are in this digital age and this digital age, it kind of has an expectation on you. even as, even as a church, uh, to reach people through it, right? And so we do some social media advertising, okay? Um, we did some for Easter, right? We, we, we promote it. We put it out there because we want to try to get the gospel out to people. And we want to try to help them come and get connected to the body so that they could grow and they could mature and all these different things, right? Um, and what's amazing about that, and we saw this at Christmas and we saw it again at Easter. Um, and Easter, we put we put a lot of effort and work into that. And I began looking around on Easter Saturday and the total number of people who came from just that outreach alone, take about, take away everything else, take away everything else we've done, everything else we've said, everyone else we invited, that alone brought zero people to church. <laughs> you thought I was going to say some number, <laughs> zero. And I was talking to Beth about that. I was like, you know what? This is really interesting. Because then we started looking at everyone else who came to hear the word of God. And every single one of them, someone sowed a seed into them. Right? The church isn't experiencing the harvest that it wants because it's afraid to sow seed. See, the government or your job or whatever, they make it seem like you're not allowed to say these things. That is another lie of Satan to keep you from experiencing harvest. See, overcomplicating the sowing process removes everything that Jesus has intended for us, right? It was, it was never supposed to be, listen, um, for some of you, you're thinking, I don't know enough of what to say yet 
right? When Paul went into the synagogues, he told them about how radically his life was changed by meeting Jesus, right? He didn't have to go through the scriptures necessarily to do that, right? He just said, hey, let me tell you what I was like and let me tell you what Jesus did to me. Let me tell you about how my life changed. It was never supposed to be about your wisdom or about your knowledge. And Satan wants you to think that because what he will do is he will make sure that you feel that you were under equipped to share the word of God and share what he has placed in you. And so it was never about that. It was always about this, the power of God. When you talk about the power of God, guys, it changes everything else because it's not about what you know. It's about what he's done in your life. He's convinced us that this sowing process is reserved for specific people, right? Um, and, but we know that in Mark 16, 15, right, it says, uh, Jesus said this, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. That's what it says. It doesn't say pastors. I think it would be really cool if you got into the word of God and that you shared it with as many people as you could. No. He said to them, go into all the world, right? I cannot go where you go. I'm not supposed to go where you go, right? And that's not because you're going in bad places, right? That's not why I'm saying that, all right? The idea is that you are equipped to be in the position that you are in. With your family, with your friends, with your work, with your community, all of these things. And too often we're waiting on our harvest when we haven't planted the seed. We want the harvest. We talk about the harvest. We talk about the excitement of the harvest. We talk about how great the harvest is going to be when it comes. We talk about all that, but we don't do enough to sow. And we need to be sowing the word of God everywhere that we go. And what I want you to understand about this is that it isn't as complicated and hard as Satan wants you to think. It's literally as easy as this. That's sowing seed. The whole, now we're not talking about weeding and watering and waiting, okay? That's for another day. That is a whole lot of, "Mm, I need some Jesus, right? When you start talking about that process, it's tough. I've told you guys about our waiting time and how God taught us so much in that experience and it was tough and it was brutal and thank God that we came out of that, right? It's a tough time. But what I'll tell you is that what we're missing in the body so often is we're missing sowing. Turn with me to James chapter 5, verse 7. James 5, verse 7. It says... It says, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and the late rains. See, um, when I read that and I think about the waiting, right? He's waiting on this precious fruit. And a lot of us are sitting there waiting for fruit, but we haven't sowed any seed. 
Um, I, I laugh when I think about saying this is because um, my brothers and I, we used to play in a bluegrass group, um, and our bluegrass uh, group name was called Sowers of the Seed. And so the whole time that I think about this, I think about how that's what we called ourselves and we would try to do that. And so I, I get confused when I start saying sowing and seed together. But um, sowing the seed is simple. It doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be hard. But the enemy wants you to think that if you were to sow that seed, that someone would disown you. He wants you to think that if I was to mention Jesus right now, I would lose this or I would lose that or I wouldn't experience this or I wouldn't experience that. He has disrupted our vision and our perception of sowing. And that's how he's messed up the harvest that we're supposed to be partaking in right now. And so tonight, I want us to get back to sowing. I want us to get back to sowing seed. And now I know a lot of pastors might turn this into financial seeds, and I'm not going to talk about that. Um, We've done that a lot in our lives, sowing financial seeds and seeing fruit from that. But I'm talking about sowing the seed of God, the word of God into your family, into your neighbors, into the people that are around you. And the people that you see every single day that you just haven't been uh, willing to even mention the fact that maybe you even go to church. Sowing the seed. Galatians 6, 9 says this. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap. If we don't give up. Right? Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap. If we don't give up, I don't want you and I don't want us as a church to miss the harvest because we, we refused or we were conned into believing that we didn't have to sow seed. Every single one of us is called to sow seed everywhere that you go, everywhere that you are. In every relationship that you have, you have an opportunity to sow seed. And I will tell you that the harvest is rich, right? So good. And as badly as we want it, we have to be willing to sow. I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we get ready to close. I know tonight's, this this has been a little bit of a different word. Um, I was even telling Bethany as I was preparing and I said, it doesn't feel anything like what I would usually talk about or what, um, how I would even usually talk about it. But the biggest thing I, I, I really want us uh, to get and understand is that sewing is easy. Sewing isn't hard. It's the easiest part of the entire planning process is sticking the seed into the ground. The hardest part is all the rest. And a lot of people die off because we as a body don't do a great job of weeding. See, we become afraid to weed because we think we're going to hurt someone's feelings. Because we, listen, our job as a body is to protect one another right? Our job as a body is to go to someone and say, listen, man, I see this happening with you and I want to pray with you right now about it so that it doesn't overtake you. Now, in a lot of places, 
that will be perceived as being mean. <laughs> That's weeding. That's weeding for each other. And I'll tell you that what God wants to do is he wants us to sow some seed. So what I want to do tonight, I'm going to actually, I'm going to ask, um, I'm going to ask you guys to do something with me tonight. Um, if you have something to write on, great. Um, I would encourage you to have it and get it out. Because sowing seed, there was preparation that took place with that, right? There was effort. There was energy. Um, there was a plan. Like maybe not, my, maybe my, my plan wasn't to the same degree that maybe my dad's plan was where he had the graph paper and he did all of that, right? But I want you to write down three people. Three people that you want to sow some seed into. I want you to focus on those three people. I want you to begin praying, right? I want you to start preparing that soil. I want you to begin praying. I want you to begin connecting. I want you to love them, right? Now, if it's someone that you treat like dirt, it's going to be a little hard for them maybe to receive that seed. Um, So I would encourage you to maybe be nice. Uh, That's usually a good way to go about it um, is being a nice person. That helps. Um, but I want you to write down three people to be thinking and praying about because it's your job to sow seed. Too many people will want to say, as long as the pastor's preaching the word, and I've told you guys this before, that I've heard pastors that say, hey, it's just your job to bring them. I'll give them the word. You don't have to do that. And I will tell you, you have to give them the word. (laughs) Sorry, I'm not doing it all for you. But I want us to reap, right? I want us to reap as a church. I want us to reap as individuals. And that means we can't forget the most important part of that process. That's sowing seed. So write down those three names. Be thinking of those three people. Be praying for those three people. And I believe that we will see God do something if you would bow your heads. God, I thank you for your word tonight. God, I know this is... This has been a little different for us. And God, I, I just pray that, that you would help us to be passionate about sowing your word into people. God, that you would give us the right platform, the right opportunity, the right moment to literally plant that seed. God, I pray that you would begin to open doors for us. Because, God, I believe that you have called us in such a way to receive a harvest, to see a harvest, God. I thank you for the harvest that we've already begun to see and the the things that we've seen in people's lives. But, God, I believe that you are bringing us into this year of filling, and I believe to experience that, I believe that we need to start sowing. For every single one of us, God, that we would begin to sow. And so, God, I pray that tonight that, God, you would put people in our hearts that you have designed for us to reach out to. People that you have designed for us to minister to, that they would receive your word openly. God, let us walk that out. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.